brothers and sisters, welcome back to the Arena World Show. This is WDRB Media. I am your host, Eric Arena. And I'm getting back to you on this kind of middle ground, middle of the road between Christmas, between Thanksgiving. It's a kind of a question mark. It's kind of a how are we getting through this next couple of weeks? Sometimes it goes really fast. Sometimes it goes really slow. The last thing we want to do is be at work. We're just looking forward to more time with our family, more time away from work, more time away from the world. And I know it can be a challenge. I wanted to bring this message of confidence here today on the arena world that we might be kind of stepping up and stepping forward into our faith and into the confidence that God can bring into our day. It's difficult to get out of bed, I guess. Maybe let's start with that, right? It's def- it's difficult to even get out of bed sometimes. It's difficult when that when it gets a little bit colder, it's a little bit more of a grind to pull each of those layers off and then put them back on just to take them back off. It's kind of repetitive and confusing. It's darker early in the morning. And the reality of it is we love the light. We, as children of the light, love the light. And when there's less of it, it can get a little more daunting. It can feel like, you know, what's become very popular now is this seasonal depression thing, which I think is true in the sense that we go through a range of emotions and sometimes when things are dark and communication kind of gets simmered down and sociability is limited given the weather and given all of the places that we used to go in the summer, it's easy to feel like, you know, we're kind of turning in. And so I feel like this, this actually pretty long section of Hebrews was good for the time. And so that was what I wanted to share share with you. And I think a lot of this is actually us going back into basics, us going back into what it is to know Christ, what it is to have a simple and live a simplistic life, knowing the truth, knowing the confidence we can have in the truth and kind of leaning in on that versus everything else. Because as we shut down, so do other people. And so it becomes more and more difficult to lean on them. And it can feel like our resources, like I was saying, as things cool down, are more and more limited. And so I wanted to bring this message of hope to that next few, these next few weeks, these next few days, our next few interactions and approaches toward the world. Really, I want to just get right in. I mean, we'll, we'll probably break it off into two halves as we usually do. This is a call to persevere in faith that the writers of Hebrews is kind of giving us. We don't really know who it is. Sometimes people think it's a collection of people. Either way, it's pretty clear that this person or these group of people were Jews who understand who Jesus was. They, they understand very clearly the Old Testament, the old covenants that we were under and how it has developed through Christ's sacrifice for us. And so what I want to get into here is this, this verse here. Well, these multiple verses, Hebrews 10, starting at verse 19, read the whole book obviously, but verse 19, and we'll probably go to the end here today. So again, thank you very much for joining us. I call us all to repentance. I call us all to an understanding of Christ. The time is short. The time is is constrained on us. It feels more and more as we see things crazy going on. We saw things developing more in Russia and Poland as we see the famines and the droughts and the storms. And uh, depending on where you're at, you see a lot more than that. I'd like to just give us this vote of confidence here. So so the writer of Hebrews is saying, verse 19, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Wait. All right. Stop. <laughs> We're just going to stop right there after verse 1. Verse 19, rather. 
Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, what does that mean? Do we have that confidence? Do we feel that we have an ability to enter into the most holy place with God? And what does that mean? Where is the most holy place? That's easy for some people who are developed in their um, faith to get to. But even for those people, it's actually very difficult at times. But to have a, a biblical understanding of what these things are, where that place is, who can achieve that place for us, it can be easier to get there. If we don't understand it, then how can we be there? Right. These things of God operate in the spirit a lot more than they do in the physical sometimes. God is not saying that uh, the physical place needs to be, you know, somewhere separate. It needs to be in the church. At one point, it was the tabernacle, right? At one point, it, it traveled with them and God would meet them in the tabernacle. And that was the most holy place. And if you weren't spiritually clean or rather um, ceremonially clean, you could not enter and it would mean that you would die, right? Without the proper sacrifices being performed beforehand that would clean you from your sin, you would not be able to enter in the most holy place because holiness is something that belongs to God. It comes from God. It emanates outward from God's center, right? So it does not operate from our center outward because we can be dirty. We can become dirty by touching dirty things, right? This was kind of what the Old Testament law was, is kind of an explanation of how these things worked. But as the prophet, the story of the prophet Isaiah comes along, we see that God and an angel come down and touch Isaiah's lips with a coal that purifies him. So this purification is now coming outward from God. And it wasn't something that was going to destroy, right? Isaiah was Isaiah was scared. He had seen God and he was scared that he was going to die from that interaction. But he told him not to worry. And then he told him or he he touched Isaiah's lips with his coal that didn't burn him, but it burned away his sins. It purified him in the spiritual realm and cleansed him away that he might have this interaction with God, that he might be able to prophecy on behalf of God moving forward. And so this kind of put a put a wrench in this idea of how we understood holiness, how we understood the way that these things work and how we need to achieve it, that God could just perform this thing for us and we could experience holiness by his decision and grace. Right. So how are we entering in the holy place, the most holy place? Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, it says it right here, right by the blood of Jesus. So instead of us being under this Old Testament law where we need to perform sacrifices to achieve entering in the most holy place, now we rely on and accept and, you know, kind of petition with God's sacrifice of his son or, you know, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ at Calvary and the blood spilling becomes the blood of the lamb, becomes the blood of the sacrifice that purifies us and cleanses us. So only by accepting this gift from God are we truly able to enter in the most holy place. God is saying that there's only one way now. The law was not sufficient. The law did not, you guys could not adhere to the law. We'd, God says, I'd want this law written on your heart, right? Because written down on the book it doesn't do us much good because you you can't live by it. You, you hardly read it. Most of us don't even know what it says now, right? So this evolution of God's relationship and further extension of his mercy is the thing that we are required to use to get 
back into his presence to get back into his place. And again, that that is achieved only by the blood of Jesus, Jesus, which we need to accept into our lives. It's very it's very dense and biblical. And my understanding of it is still developing. But in general, that is it. And verse 20, we'll go on now, says, By a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body. Again, more biblical references to the curtain ripping as he dies. That kind of separates the most holy place from, from constrained inside the temple. To out, to He's breaking down that barrier. And now this most holy place with us having... Jesus as a sacrifice can be achieved anywhere. And it's not just one local area, but it's anywhere that we can be with God, accepting God and accepting his son's sacrifice for us. So this evolution is changing because if you remember in Ezekiel, right, Ezekiel was kind of, uh, what is the word that always, oh, he was pushed into exile, right? Ezekiel was a pushed into exile, but yet God came to him in exile away from what he was used to, which was in the temple, because he said, the temple, they disgraced the temple. They worship other gods in the temple. They profane my name in that temple. So guess what? I'm not there anymore. And that's an interesting cause because, or an interesting clause, you can say, almost like in this contract of relationship with God, because now it's no longer necessary in a church because we know and we've seen multiple times that in a church, people can be blaspheming God. the church isn't necessarily the place where the Holy Spirit is if we're not preaching the gospel. If the gospel message isn't being taught, then what is ato- what is the atoning sacrifice for our sins if we're not accepting Jesus? It's all out of whack. And so God says that not even that is the place and not even that is the requirement here. As far as this story goes with Ezekiel, he met him where he was to explain the issues that were going on in the temple. And he and towards the end of the book, he explains that my temple was going to be raised again. And he gives a meter by meter explanation of what exactly it would look like. And we can look forward to this as a true and living building. Amen. Thank God. But this new way was just being paved and was, was being alluded to, which ends up being Christ. Right. And so Christ is being written into Ezekiel. Christ is being written into his Isaiah. And we have to understand what is achieved and how we can achieve getting closer to God, right? So a new by a new and living way open for us, which is Christ, this new way of connection to the most holy place, connection to our God that rips the curtain, that separates this line so that was so clear in a physical building, but is now much more spiritually involved. And now verse 21 says, And since we have a great priest over us, over the house of God, referring to Jesus, of course, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with a full and with a full assurance that faith brings. I'll just go on having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And this is really such a beautiful outline of what this writer here is saying. He's saying that God has since achieved these things for us and he really has extended his grace to a certain point that we could be even 
made clean of our guilty conscience, that we can lift these things and put them on Christ here and our hearts are cleansed by his sacrifice, his spiritual cleansing. And remember, God says, come to me and drink this water that I have for you. You will never thirst again, right? Our bodies are washed with this pure water, right? This isn't a physical thing that is temporary. This is a permanent cleansing that I have for you. And all you need to do is come to me and accept the sacrifice of my son. So let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Right. We know as Christians that there are things going on beyond what we can see. We know that there are things beyond what is visible to us, what we can feel with our five senses. But we have the sixth sense, which is the spirit, say, and we know that things exist there. And just actually, let me step back really quickly. You know how we can. I mean, it's obvious things happen in the spirit. And I'm sure you're listening to this and saying, yes, obviously. But think about this. Think about someone who kills themselves. Right. But they're happy go lucky at work. They don't they don't have any real physical ailments and physical problems. They they have, you know, what we would all consider like a supportive family. But yet their spirit is unhealthy. Their spirit is unclean. Their spirit is heavy laden and burdened. And we all can't see it. But it's not like it doesn't exist. It's not like the second that they have an opportunity to open up, they don't break down and cry and explain all of the issues that they're going through. Right. So although in the physical realm, the things that we can see, things seem okay. Like they have a job, they have a wife, they have a family. Yet spiritually they are, they are filthy spiritually. They have no connection to God and they're dried up and shriveled like the rock that Moses struck with this, with the staff before it was struck with the staff. But then with the power and the spirit of God in Moses and the staff comes out of it water in a place where we did not, where we did not see and expect something to come out of God can make that happen. And so this is that mental mind state that people who have this real depression in in life are in, they can't see or expect a way out and having no other avenue of their own means to get out of this situation, they give up. Yet God doesn't play by the rules per se, and he can make these things happen even in the desert, even in our worst trials. He can make water come out of that. This pure and living water that will sustain us in our time of need. Right. And this is this is what he the author here is saying is let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. If God said something, no matter what he said, it's going to happen. Right. Even to Abraham, Abraham had his way of going around. He was like, I'm going to make God's word come true through Hagar. God, God promised me that I'm going to have a blessing. But my wife is well along in years. So I'm going to go impregnate my concubine, my slave. Um, and God says, no, you need to rely on me. My plan was to get Sarah pregnant. Although she was old, I was going to restore her womb. You were going to have Isaac and you were going to be a blessing that I told you you would be. It wasn't uh, according to your plan. I didn't ask you to make it happen. I asked you to trust me that it would happen. And through that trust, let us hold unswervingly to the hope or, or trust or faith, right? We profess for he who promised is faithful. And so now I just call you to action here and start to understand in these in these dark and, and trying times, what are God's promises to you? 
What is the life that he had for you? What is the health and wealth and understanding of things that God had for you? Right. And, uh, and a lot of times, and don't get me wrong, I, I don't like to play around and bridge into this prosperity gospel, but God does not want you to shrivel up and die. He wants to give you everything you need and more that you might sustain and be um, sort of an example of what God's mercy and glory looks like in the world, right? So this spiritual thing might actually become manifest. Those who live in God live in a different way. And God wants people to see that because those people often are spiritually blind, which now I'm just kind of weaving in and out of stories here, if you can't tell, but it's a beautiful thing that we need to experience with God. And before I get too carried away, let's go into the break. Let's go into some music. This is WDRB Media. This is the arena world. This is God's world most firmly and importantly. And I'm just living in it. And so are we. So let's have a great Thursday morning. Amen. Thank God. I'm happy to be here. What another good one. What another great day to be alive. And I'm sure that the arena world is trucking on in the great name of Jesus Christ. I'm sure of a lot of things, but am I sure? Are you guys sure that we're living this life that Christ called us to? Are we living this life that is worthy of his sacrifice? Are we living a life that really brings people out of death and into life and life? Please, someone explain to me how they're feeling. How are we doing the arena world show? on WDRB Media. That is where we are at. Philippians 1 verse 27 says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Now, Paul is saying to to let it be showing in who we are in our actions every day, whether I am there or I'm not. 
And the same way God is, God, God is not, you know, God is always watching. He's omnipresent and always there able to see, and he will know, and he's going to reward us according to our actions. You know this, but think about it. Like whether someone is watching or not, am I still living this life worthy of the gospel of Christ? Worthy that there is it life in eternity, worthy of the idea that Christ died for my sins and that others need to know this truth as well, right? That can be a complicated message to hear. That can be a tough pill to swallow, say that we're not always living this way, but the call is to still do it even when no one is looking, even when no one is knowing of the, the behavior and the actions because God will always know. And whether or not Paul is there, whether or not I'm there to see it, right? Not equating myself to Paul in any way, but just as an example of someone who knows the truth about Christ and wants you to live in a life worthy of it, that you're still doing it, that you're still committing to it, because that's what God would have for you, because we need to be these shining examples of what it is to know God's love, what it is to know God's mercy, right? People should look at you like you're crazy. But you just lost your your house, your your family, um, your job. You just lost all of these things all at once. But yet you're confident in the way things are going. You're happy and excited the way God has moved. How does that make any sense? I need to know more about this. How can someone be so crazy and yet so confident and happy? Either they're out of their mind or they know God, which is really both, according to Paul. <laughs> if we're out of our minds, it's for God, right? How can we align these things correctly, right? And the truth about it is it doesn't make sense and it doesn't align well with the world, but God is asking you not to align. He, he's asking you to be a perpendicular, no, sorry, no intersection, a parallel line, right? That never intersects with the world, doing everything that you can to be spurring each other on to greater and more powerful things is the call. And that's what I'm asking you to do today. That's what Paul will all read any one of Paul's letters and see what he asks you to do. Read anything that God has said and see what he asks you to do. It, it's really just to live a life worthy of what I have for you, which if we don't understand what he has for us, how can we know what that looks like? How can we know what he asks us for? So I'm encouraging you here today in these dark December days. You like the alliteration there? to get back into God's word, to get back into the confidence of what it is to know God's word and to save yourselves and to begin to save the people around you that we might all walk in light together, that we might all be a part of these larger families that save. And that is really the calling. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires, right? Those people don't live in the flesh. They don't succumb to love. They don't, at lust rather, they don't succumb to the worldly temptations of money and prosperity in these problems. They succumb only to God's will. That is the only thing that they will bend over backwards. And sure, as soon as you start to live that life, you start to look like a gymnast bending all the way over backwards in ways and contortions and, and situations you never thought you'd be in. Right. But God said, I put you there and I'm going to get you out. Right. You're there for a purpose. It is not without purpose, but my purpose will be fulfilled in the things that you do and the things that you say, provided that you know me and love me. And that is, that is what it is to belong to Christ is to belong to this God of comfort. Yet the God who will put us through these tribulations 
because we know confidently that he will get us out of them, right? He promises He promises us immediately that we're going to have these. If we take up our cross, it's not going to be easy, yet he will be with us. And there's nothing, if he is with us, who can be against us? All of these beautiful scriptures that just line up so, so elegantly, like they were written together all at once, but yet took place over the course of thousands of years, and we live thousands of years after they were written. How does it make so much sense? How does it align so clear and so well? These are my questions today. It does not make sense. It's not supposed to. God says, I know. And that's all. And I think that that is really our calling for today is to not know, but to have faith and to have confidence. Right? Brothers and sisters, it's not anything that you can do. That's not my ask today is for you to figure it out. I'm asked for you to figure out what was already written. Okay, there's that. But I'm asking you to just see the truth in God's word, to put it to the test, right? God knows how we are. He knows we have this desire to understand, and we know, and he knows we have this reluctancy to try new things, right? He designed us that way. That's all safe and okay to say. But he's asking us and then telling us that it's going to, it's going to, you're going to have to rely on more than what you know. Life is about more than what you know, right? Life does not occur in a box here, right? He says, I am the alpha and the omega. There is no beginning and no end to me, right? There is no concrete defined lines here, right? I'm the eternal one. And I'm asking to feel and smell and taste what eternity feels like and and smells like and tastes like. Taste and see that the Lord is good, (laughs) how that his will for us is for a greater thing than what we're in now. And that might take removing the the okay thing that we have, right? And a lot of us are unwilling to give up the okay thing because we're used to it. But again, life happens outside of that box. And so he's asking us to give up the okay thing for him, which is the greatest, which is the only good thing, in fact. And brothers and sisters, again, that is my call here today. That is the call in the Arita world, WDRB Media. We're moving into Christmas season. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. I'm just asking you guys to receive your king. Recognize who's on top. Recognize who sits on the throne and at the right hand. And to love. And to love deeply. And, to, and, and therefore fulfill God's law. And to be reconciled confidently back to him in truth and in love and in grace and in all of these amazing things. And let glory be to God and not yourself. I'm just ripping them off today. But I'm, I'm, I'm hoping you're loving it. I'm hoping you're hearing me and enjoying it and beginning to develop a knowledge of the craziness that's in my mind. But again, for Christ and the excitement that I have for salvation and for salvation for you. And if you and if you're listening here today, I pray that you would just make this prayer with me, that you would receive God, that you would receive Christ and be made clean and new and live a life again worthy of the calling and worthy of the sacrifice. Lord Jesus, we just lift you up today. We just praise your name today that you are so worthy of all of our honor and all of our glory, because none of the things that we have compare to you, none of the things that we want compare to you. So we're changing the things that we want to you. You are the only thing 
You are the Alpha and the Omega, and all of the things belong to you, Lord. So we give them up, knowing that you will give us and you will satisfy our needs correctly and swiftly, that you will not delay, Lord. You say that you will not delay. We believe that. Lord, so we give up a sin. We give up a, a, a sinful lifestyle, and we commit to glory in you. We, we commit to being your witness and praising you, how you have asked us. Lord, we don't want a life of of confusion and deceit and one-upping and these dirty, grimy things. We want a life of love and restoration and, and being a footstool for our brother rather than standing on him. Lord, we just want to continue to serve you and therefore serve each other and to restore your name back to the glory it deserves and back to the honor it deserves in your own world. Lord, we we acknowledge that we've done many things wrong. We have sinned continuously against ourselves and against you, Lord, but we know that your grace extends even further than those sins. And so we abide in your grace. We abide in your covenant of grace that we might be restored and that we might tabernacle with you once again. Lord, we ask that you would continue to show us mercy in all of our confusion and all of the delay that we make. We know that you do not delay, but we ask that your mercy would abide in us that we would have the right amount of time to know you, that we would not fall off track, that we would commit to your words and your statutes in a way that you have never seen before, that it might truly honor you. And we ask all of these things in the great name of Jesus. Amen.